0: Welcome to Skylights, the podcast of Open Sky Wilderness Therapy. Nestled in the mountains of southwest Colorado and the canyonlands of southeast Utah, Open Sky transcends traditional wilderness therapy by emphasizing treatment for the whole family. Our clinical approach integrates the latest in evidence based treatments with innovative and research driven holistic healing practices. On each episode of the Skylights podcast, we speak with experts in the field of wilderness therapy and explore the unique value the outdoors provides on the journey towards wellness, self-discovery, and growth for adolescents, young adults, and their families. To learn more about Open Sky, visit us at openskywilderness.com. Welcome to the podcast. We're glad you're here. In this episode of Skylights, Clinical therapist Mariah Lofton speaks to the often misunderstood differences between gender and sexuality, including sexual orientation and gender identity, how unaddressed gender and sexual identity issues can result in mental health risks, and how family members and loved ones can best support young adults navigating these core identity issues. As a licensed professional counselor, Mariah skillfully blends her background as a psychotherapist, behaviorist, and art therapist. Melding a variety of modalities, including art therapy, behavioral analysis, and relational psychotherapy, dialectical behavior therapy, and motivational interviewing, to name a few. Mariah helps young adults and their families examine and appreciate the many dimensions of themselves, including their mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual well being. She creates an environment that contributes to changes in the students' inner worlds, including a more integrated sense of self as well as an increase in self-awareness, understanding, and acceptance. Welcome to the podcast, Mariah. Great to be here. I'm excited to be here with you today talking about this very important topic in our time of supporting young adults with gender and sexuality issues. Um, And I know that this is something you've spoken extensively about around the country and really have both a passion and an expertise for this topic. I want to start the podcast just by... Um, addressing some simple definitions. Mm -hmm. So we can just kind of start there with laying the foundation. So could you just give us some definitions of gender, sexuality, basics? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So making sure that we understand the difference between gender and sexuality. So when we're looking at gender, we can get stuck in this gender binary of male or female. And in reality, there's a whole spectrum of gender. And there are individuals who can identify as male or female. And frequently, those individuals are considered cisgender, meaning a classically male or female individual. And but there can be a whole spectrum of gender fluidity where individuals don't identify with a gender at all or they actually do not have uh, one gender or the other, so they can be intersex. And then they can be transgender where they are biologically born female and so their assigned gender at birth is male or female. And then they actually uh, transition to the gender that they actually experience in themselves. When we're looking at sexuality, we're looking at an individual's physical, sexual or emotional attraction to the same or opposite uh, or varied gender. And so part of this is related to attraction, uh, sexual interactions, and frequently we'll hear people talk about sexuality as gay, lesbian, bisexual, straight, asexual, queer, questioning, so I think there are a variety of ways that we can look at gender and sexuality. And so it's just good to kind of start off with the basics
0: of what people are experiencing in the world. So just to recap, sexuality, as you're talking about sexuality, that's that's about sexual orientation or individuals, physical, sexual, emotional kind of attraction, who they're attracted to. Correct. In that way. Mm-hmm. And then gender, what is that in terms of the the, the physical identification, and mm-hmm. then kind of the more like self identification of how I identify sure. with my gender? Yeah. So when someone is
1: born, they have a assigned a gender at birth, and that individual might not experience that as being true for them. And so frequently, uh, someone who has an assigned gender of female, they will have the experience that. I'm in the wrong body, or I don't identify with this binary of being in this female, uh, this female body or female presentation in the world. And so sometimes that can mean for that individual that they transition to being male. So assigned gender at birth is female. They transition to being male. And sometimes it's a spectrum. And so they, it's not that they transition to one gender or another. They
0: don't physically transition, but they correct. may identify still as the other gender. That's correct. Or be gender fluid. Mm-hmm. That's helpful in terms of just laying the groundwork. If someone is struggling with these issues of gender identity or sexual identity, what does that look like in terms of just a presentation with your clients at Open Sky?
1: Yeah, well, one of the things to uh, be aware of is that. Supporting individuals in having a level of acceptance, and I would say acceptance from the outside, but also working on acceptance from the inside. So there can be internalized homophobia, internalized transphobia, and that ultimately... There are people who struggle with the world's perceptions of them but sometimes the world's perceptions actually make it to the inside and they start to judge themselves.
0: Yeah, I can see how that would be a struggle especially when there is confusion in the larger culture or generationally in terms of, you know, questions of sexual identity, gender identity and then so then there's that intersects with the young person who's really struggling, like, Hey, you know, I feel different in this way, or Mm -hmm. I have this part of myself on the inside that other people don't see, or I haven't talked about. Mm -hmm. And that that could really contribute to to challenges. Mm -hmm. And what that can look like is
1: there being gender dysphoria uh, or the homophobia and internalized homophobia. And so It's crucial for all of us to be able to have this conversation and have it be more out in the open. So people are addressing it directly rather than we shy away from the topic or even as clinicians, we don't have the conversation for fear of saying the wrong thing. And so in a lot of ways, I think the important part is have the conversation. It's okay if we're messy about it. And even saying it up front that, hey, like, I don't know all the right terms and I don't want to make any mistakes. Uh, and I also want to understand what what's happening with you. And so I think that's the best approach as clinicians, as parents, as friends, that we can dive into that conversation to make sure that people feel supported.
0: Mm -hmm. And I can see that even for a person who is struggling with these issues, they may struggle to find the words because it's not like these are terms that are taught in our culture from a young age Mm -hmm. or conversations that are, that are had commonly. So, You know, it's it's charting new territory at times. Most definitely.
1: And the good
0: news is that through
1: social media, through television, these terms and uh, the way that people present in the world is actually getting out there. Whereas back in the you know, before the nineties, that it was something that was so stigmatized and in part because people weren't talking about it. And so that could just be perpetuated over time. And now we have a lot of people out in the world that are challenging those stigmas and actually presenting to our young people, here are different ways to live and that we can actually support each other however we orient to the world.
0: There's one more term that you, you spoke of just a little ways back, and that's gender dysphoria. Could mm-hmm. you define that for us? For sure. So when we're looking at someone
1: struggling with their relationship with gender, the way that I think about it is if someone is has or is experiencing gender dysphoria, the dysphoria, meaning the struggle, is from the inside out. So, for example, I've worked with students who they've articulated the dysphoria is actually out in the world. Like, I'm fine with myself. And that's not gender dysphoria. That's that the world struggles or individuals around them struggle with the way that they are oriented. So if they're they're trans or transgender, then
0: it's not actually their struggle. It's someone else's struggle. It's almost like our culture in some ways could be defined as having gender dysphoria. Exactly. Okay. Right. However,
1: there are individuals who struggle with gender dysphoria where they're grappling with their sense of themselves and it causes a level of distress that it starts to
0: interrupt their lives. So, you know, these are big identity questions and really important to address. And my related question is what happens if if a young person, you know, say launching into young adulthood is not addressing these things, or they're in an environment where it's not being addressed or supported in a healthy way? Mm -hmm. Well,
1: there can be a way that those individuals start to experience a level of distress. And so in that, they start to have higher levels of depression, They have lower self-esteem. They can have lower levels of self-care, have increased suicidal thoughts. And there is an important way that we have to address what someone is experiencing because we don't want them to be suffering alone. And so ultimately, we want students and those individuals to be connected to other people, to be able to talk about what they're experiencing in the world.
0: So, what are ways that you you work with that in terms of providing that support? I know that your your group at Open Sky is such a safe and supportive place for exploring all kinds of things. And how do students navigate these issues if they're dealing with gender or sexuality mm-hmm. issues? Well, I think the key
1: is whenever a student f- arrives from Uh, The admissions process all the way through their graduation, we want to be honoring exactly where they're at. So, for example, uh, it comes into what are the clothes that they prefer to entering into a group with the names and pronouns that they're requesting. And so making sure that, one, we're being good listeners and supporting how they want to present, uh, and what feels best for them. And then the group as a whole is such a, like you said, a safe environment for each person to enter into. And the foundation of each group is emotional safety. So someone can just be themselves. And I have a lot of students that come out for the first time as, as trans or as gay. Uh, or on the spectrum of gender or sexuality, that it's really just this place where people can live acceptance. And it's a unique experience for individuals because for the first time, they can just relax and be themselves. And so it's actually an incredibly powerful way for people to
0: begin a new phase in their lives. So it sounds like you have some students who come in Knowing that this is an issue that they want to work on and having shared that kind of in the process of coming to Open Sky, then there are others that may not talk about this until they're here. And it's something that comes up in therapy or comes up, you know, as they're exploring things with their peers. Exactly. And I think the supportive environment
1: here actually allows individuals to come out if that's what they actually feel driven to do, you know, if that feels authentic for them. And so I I think it's important to note that for, students as they're here, the whole key is let's start off with a level of self-awareness and orienting to a sense of who am I? Who am I in the world? And who am I with myself? So developing a person's identity. And then over time, by developing that sense of awareness, then they can start to talk about it with their peers, talk about it with their family. And ultimately
0: get more comfortable in how they choose to show up in their lives. I know a question that individuals will face sometimes from society, maybe from family or, or peers could be, you know, why are you doing this? Like, isn't, isn't this a choice? Like, wouldn't it be easier just to live your life as female? Like, why are you bringing this up that you, you feel like you need to identify as male? Mm-hmm. What do you say? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a a key part is starting with one, it's not a choice. I actually have many students who are able to articulate if I could choose, I would not choose this life. Uh, And in part because it's more difficult or because I have to go against my family's traditions or because I have to do a lot of work that would be a lot easier to not do. And so I think that's, that's one thing that I've heard from a lot of my students. And on the other side, there's this reality of, oh my gosh, I can't pretend anymore. Mm. And the suffering is too great. The loneliness is too great, or just distress in general is too great. And so being able to be myself is far more important. And being able to have the support around each person uh, actually allows them to move forward in their lives rather than to stay in a place of isolation and suffering.
0: On the topic of family members, what are some things that that parents or family members can do to support their children when they are exploring these issues?
1: There are different steps that we take here. So for example, when someone first arrives, they communicate with their family by writing letters. And sometimes... I have students that they want to come out to their family via letters and then we'll follow up with a phone call. And so it really depends on what's the most supportive for that family uh, and for that student. And it can be helpful for parents, as they're on phone calls with me, separate from their child, to support them understanding what are some of the things that, like some of the terms that they not might not be aware of. What are some of the things that uh, they can read? And so I'll provide some psychoeducation, some memoirs, if that would be helpful for them. Um, There are podcasts and webinars, you know, TED Talks and whatnot that can be supportive just to help parents to orient to a different perspective that it might be unfamiliar. And so ultimately, I'll do that work with parents to make sure that they feel the support and the understanding and then we can work with their relationship or work on their relationship with their child.
0: Yeah, I can see how that that education would be really important and also a way of the parents demonstrating attunement like I want to learn about you and I want to you know learn about you so much that I'm willing to step outside my comfort zone and read these books or listen to podcasts mm-hmm. and then that would be a topic of kind of conversation that Mm -hmm. would be icebreaking too, because it can be harder to talk about personal stuff, you know, sometimes um, and it can be easier to start in the more general. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: and as students and families have the conversation here, what we're doing is we're building a foundation, and so that they learn, how do we talk about things that are uncomfortable? How do we talk about this topic that we have avoided? And that can be talking about depression and isolation and thoughts that are uh, kind of suicidal in nature. Or it can be talking about coming out and sexual orientation and gender. And so we're beginning the process of here's how we talk about things that are uncomfortable. And here are the communication skills. So we'll teach communication skills between families and their children so that they can actually take this skill with them and be able to continue the conversation.
0: What is your experience in when you see young people addressing these issues and making headway both on developing a more kind of solid sense of self and freeing themselves maybe by having conversations, whether it's with parents or peers to come out. How does that affect some of the other struggles that they've been having, the depression symptoms, the other challenges that they've been navigating? How does that play out?
1: Typically what I'll see is depression decreasing pretty dramatically. And the beginning of that is being in a community at Open Sky where people are accepting. So they don't have to pretend to be someone else. They don't have to be isolated anymore. And so that level of connection, I think, is a vital part of this first step. And then being connected to their families. And and it's okay if there's still some tension or that this is an ongoing conversation that needs to happen. And I think a big part of the relief that students are feeling is because of the level of connection just to their families and the willingness to have that conversation. And then from that place, they can actually set goals heading forward and make choices that actually are in alignment with their true selves. And so that might mean, hey, this is the best school for me or the best school environment for me. Or maybe it's that we need to be very intentional with the family therapy that we do heading into the future, or having a specific therapist that really understands gender and sexuality issues, or connecting people with the right professionals, whether it's medical professionals or mental health professionals, so that students have that level of support heading forward in their lives.
0: What do you see contributing to Open Sky being a positive environment for working through these issues? So meaning, you know, I know you've worked with many young adult students who have been Working through gender and sexuality issues. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is about the environment at Open Sky that makes it a powerful place to do that?
1: I think there are two components one is the community, and two, supporting individuals understanding themselves. And so, We want to build both of those things. So for example, a student establishing a deeper connection with themselves is crucial because we want them to ultimately be in a position where they can communicate, here's what's happening for me. And so if there's not an awareness of here are the emotions that I'm experiencing, or here are the things that I need, or here are the things that I can do to help myself feel better, then there's a loss there. And so students who are developing a sense of themselves, their emotions, uh, and what are the things that they actually need and what can they do, then that supports them actually heading forward in their lives. And then they can communicate that to their community. So
0: that ultimately supports them growing and heading
1: forward in their lives.
0: That's helpful to have you identify those two things, community and then connection to self. And so whether that's at Open Sky or after Open Sky or in a different environment, but that those, you it sounds like you really have seen those things being super important to the process is having supportive community and then also being in a place where you're really nurturing yourself and providing that sense of support to yourself as mm-hmm. well. Most definitely. What would you say to a young adult looking for a place and a support network to work through these these issues whether it's internally or or just kind of gaining some skills to navigate what can be a hard thing to navigate in this world either with family or outside of family. I think it's
1: key coming back to that community and being connected, get the support that you need to begin with and then have with that knowledge with that support then have the harder conversations. And sometimes those harder conversations are actually with yourself and then you can have those harder conversations with either family members, loved ones, friends.
0: And what are a couple of takeaways you have for parents in terms of words of wisdom about how to best support their children going through this process? I think the emphasis
1: is for parents to hold love to be more important than social mores and societal expectations. So, Come back to a child's happiness. Come back to support and be self-aware of what are your own biases? What are your own stigmas? And be brave heading forward. Primary thing is how do we listen? So can we listen to ourselves and can we listen to each other?
0: And listen, I know a lot of people will say they're they listening, but then the other person may not feel heard or, you know, listening can be a loaded thing. Like, what do you mean when you say listen? What does it really mean to truly listen? I think if someone is communicating to you what's happening with them,
1: can you actually repeat back, reflect back to that person what you heard them say? And it's not necessarily repeating back word for word, but do you really get what they're saying to you. Can you put your own biases aside so that you're actually in relationship with that other person? Because you, the whole key is you want to be in a place of love and connection. And so if you're coming from that place, then that truly is getting
0: the other person. And that's the core of how to listen. You're really good at giving like concise answers. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I know this has been an area of focus and passion, as I said in the beginning for you for many years. What are the things that, that you find most fulfilling about working with people navigating these, these issues?
1: I love watching families come back together. Mm. I love watching students have brave conversations and ultimately coming back as a whole family to a place of being reconnected from maybe being distant once, once upon a time. And I also really value my students being reconnected with themselves and finding a sense of relief so that they can head forward in their lives. Not to say that their journey is done, but that they actually have some foundation to head forward so that they can fulfill their dreams. I mean, that's that's what this place is about, is supporting people thriving and fulfilling their dreams. So I get really excited about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love sitting here with you and I have the benefit of being able to see your facial expressions and just how you light up talking mm-hmm. about these things. And um, the passion and the care is just so so palpable and so real. Thank you for educating us on this topic and thank you for um, what you bring to the world in terms of really helping walk with people along this path of um, addressing these really important core identity topics. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Mariah. Thank you to today's guest, clinical therapist, Mariah Lofton. To learn more about Open Sky's young adult program, be sure to visit us at openskywilderness.com. Tune in to the next episode of Skylights on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts to learn more from experts in the field of wilderness therapy. Thanks for listening.